0: Hey crew, it's Stephanie. Um, We're doing something a little bit special today in honor of Holocaust Remembrance Day. We wanted to um, feature a few people who are doing work helping the community of Holocaust survivors. Uh, We always say never forget about the Holocaust and it's sort of drilled into our minds in Hebrew school and, and in the Jewish community. But Something that I've found is it's easy to forget the survivors who are still around and who may need help. And so today we just wanted to shine a spotlight on them and and, and an organization that is helping Holocaust survivors who are in need. I'm excited to be here with, um, obviously, Mark and Liel. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. And we're here with Desiree Nazarian and Sandy Myers of Self-Help Community Services Holocaust Survivor Program. Welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Thank, Thank you for having us. Will you introduce yourselves and tell
1: us what you do at the organization and how self-help helps Holocaust survivors? Sure. Sure. So I'm Sandy Myers. I am the Vice President of External Affairs and Communications at Self-Help Community Services. And a little bit of an overview. Self-Help was founded actually just about 82 years ago in 1936 with the original goal of serving people who were fleeing Nazi persecution before World War II. So fast forward to 2018, and today we are one of the largest providers of services to older New Yorkers, as well as the largest provider to... um, largest provider of services to Holocaust survivors. So overall, we touched the lives of about 20,000 older adults, enabling them to age in their own homes and communities, as well as about 4,300 Holocaust survivors.
2: Yeah. So my name is Desiree Nazarian and I'm the Outreach Program Coordinator and Social Work Supervisor within the Holocaust Survivor Program at Self Help. And interestingly enough, Self Help's Holocaust Survivor Program just received a federal grant within the Jewish Federations of North America to conduct outreach to Holocaust survivors in the New York area who are previously unserved. So our job now with this outreach initiative is to go and find and assist Holocaust survivors that don't know about self-help and don't know about this wide array of comprehensive social work services that Sandy just formerly mentioned.
3: I mean, I assume it would be kind of, um, I think, you know, most of us, I mean, all of us would probably agree this is, you know, there could be no more important kind of sacred duty than our commitment to to, to helping Holocaust survivors age with dignity. But at the same time, I would assume that, you know, many of us would kind of not even think about this, right? Being like, oh, you know, these people are fine, or we, we, you know, we don't really need to care about this. This is like a long time off in history. Do, do you find that you have issues when, when, when talking about your organizations and your work, kind of really convincing people that there are a, a substantial number of these now, you know, quite elderly people who really need help, who really face, you know, dire circumstances.
1: Short, Part of our mission statement is to serve as the last surviving relative. So this part of our program and our organization will exist until the, the last survivor is still with us. But I think what surprises people, and Desiree can add more to this, is the sheer number of survivors that are still with us and some of the poverty that a lot of the survivors are facing. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, I always like, a part of my role is to conduct outreach presentations in the field. So it's going to healthcare organizations, social work agencies, um, hospitals, nonprofits. And I always like to start off by asking people, just to go to your point, Leah, how, how many Holocaust survivors Do you think are living in New York today? So, if you had to guess, how many do you think?
4: I would guess thirty thousand.
2: Okay, Stephanie, fifteen thousand. Okay,
3: I would guess five thousand. I mean, it's much, much lower.
2: Okay. What if I told you that today there are 45,000 Holocaust survivors wow. living in New York?
3: And how do how do we define
4: survivor? Who's a survivor?
2: Great question. So according to Self-Help, so one of our main funders is the Claims Conference, the Conference on Jewish Material Claims Against Germany. It's an allocations organization that we receive much of our funding from, and um, they help with the restitution accounts for the different Nazi-occupied territories during that time to allot those restitution pots of monies to help with assistance programs and social welfare programs. And they define a survivor much more broadly than you would think. You don't have to have had a certain marking on you, such as a tattoo or have been in a concentration concentration camp just to be a Holocaust survivor and to be eligible for services. So what does that mean? You could have actually been hiding in a cave between the the years of 1933 to 1945, liberation being 1945, or you could have fled. You could have been on the kinder transport. You could have lived with a nun, a priest, a non-Jewish family. They could have taken you in. You could have been incarcerated. You could have been in a ghetto. Or interestingly enough, you could have been a fetus case in your mother's womb actually during the time. And if she was persecuted, you are eligible for services. So that's how it's defined as a Holocaust survivor. So if you were um, within those specific countries, during those years and persecuted under Nazi regime and rule, and you're Jewish and you have a Jewish identity, then you're eligible for a
1: wide array of services, which um, are pretty impressive that we have at Self-Help. And I just want to add, last year, we actually had uh, close to a thousand new survivors approach us for services for the first time. And this year, we're on track to uh, surpass that a large part doing thanks to these outreach efforts, but, you know, trying to raise the awareness of who is a survivor and what services are out there is a key part of, of our work. And what we would love to, you know, put out the call to action to your listeners is if you know, someone who had some sort of experience that Desiree referenced during those years, that they might be eligible for services and could identify as a Holocaust survivor and that they should reach out to us.
0: So, um, About two years ago, the last survivor in my family died. She was my Mm -hmm. grandfather's sister, and I was pretty close with her. And towards the end of her life, towards sort of the very end, there were a lot of psychological things that were happening that were sort of a return of really horrible memories. And I think that made the end of her life, particularly mm-hmm. traumatic. What are the specific needs that someone who was in a camp or maybe was somehow touched by the Holocaust, what are the specific psychological and emotional needs that they face that another um, elderly person who who, do, who does need, you know, who's underserved and in need, what are the specific concerns that you guys address?
2: Our grant has allowed us to do a lot of research on person-centered trauma-informed care, and all of our social workers are very well-versed in Holocaust care, which In addition to normal aging for another older adult is a little bit different. There's added layers, if you will. So if a client is living in an assistant living home, let's say, and their nurse Constantly ask them to go shower. This elicits memories from the past trauma. Trauma does, you know, resurface. So something as little as hearing the words or hearing a shower running can be that emotional trigger response for a survivor. Um, or seeing certain things, if somebody's wearing boots or someone knocks. On the door very loudly, a barking dog. So these are things that kind of differentiate from normal um, aging. So how do you intervene?
0: I mean, do you have people who know not to do those things? sort of reminding me of um, when Carrie Brody was here, who does Emma's MS Torch, the refugee kitchen, and she was sort of saying, mm-hmm. like, there are things to do with people who are fleeing really awful conditions as refugees. Like, you can't actually have a really tight schedule because that... It's a trigger. I know it sort of reminds me of that Mm -hmm. a little bit.
2: So what are so what do you how does self-help intervene in
0: those situations? So
2: all the social workers are definitely trained um, in this trauma informed care. And when a when a Holocaust survivor calls our intake line, for instance, um, the questionnaire that we have in front of us, which pretty much every social worker memorizes by now, is very, very tailored to make sure that the questions that are asked are very sensitive and we're very aware of how we're asking questions so instead of asking a question like so tell me a little bit about how you were persecuted and what that sounded like we would ask what was your experience like during the war I know this is a very very personal topic do you feel comfortable sharing that with me and believe it or not you know there's tears on the other end of the line most of the time, but on, you know, some calls are beautiful and they're uplifting and more than we could ever imagine or
1: ask for. And it's really difficult sometimes for the clients, but it's profound. I also want to add that a big part of the services that self-help provides is around home care, especially in our Holocaust survivor program. So part of the unique training is the awareness um, and training that takes place with our home care workers. So for someone who is oftentimes one-on-one in the home with with a client and with a survivor, they are also uniquely trained about trigger words like shower or awareness of what a dog might do for a client. So that training takes place both at the social work level and the awareness, but also at the home care worker, because that's often who our clients are interacting with on a day-to-day basis.
2: Right. And I'm so glad you brought that up, Sandy, because many people don't know that we offer German subsidized home care or housekeeping to clients who are eligible financially. There is a little bit of a financial cap Um for eligibility, but we also have wait
4: German subsidized. I yeah. mean, the German government mm-hmm. pays for them too.
2: Absolutely. <laughs>
4: Yeah, you thought they were actual
3: Germans, dude. That that would. Well, I, didn't, that I mean,
4: do they say like, is yeah. it like Mrs. Mazel? What is the maid there? Is is Helga yeah. German? I don't know. I mean, she, she was Russian. She seems Paul Russian. She's Russian, something. Yeah. Is, but but that's interesting. So the, the that's part of an arrangement that or a commitment that their government made some time ago.
1: And that's yeah, the funding comes through agencies like Self Help, um, and then we use that funding. So the Claims Conference and UJA Federation are some of our historic funders who will pay for those services. Um, and the Claims Conference is the one that negotiates with. German government. So they're the ones who are having those conversations. And then in recent memory, or in recent history, I should say, uh, as Desiree mentioned, you know, this additional funding from the federal government has also contributed to services. But the German government has certainly stepped up and does fund a lot of the services to this population.
4: Desiree, I know that you organize some events for them. I wanted I wanted to quickly for you to say something about the culinary event that's coming up in February.
1: Sure. I'm very, very
2: excited. Yesterday, we actually secured it fully. So I, I'm i a big, big, big firm believer in integrating culinary arts and just art therapy within my work. So I started doing a lot of Google searches, and I found this amazing organization called the Gefilteria, mm-hmm. and it's Jeffrey Yaskowitz yeah. and uh, Liz mm-hmm. Alpern. I don't know if you ever heard of them, mm-hmm. but we had a great call with Jeffrey yesterday, and he's coming in, and what they do is they do talks and lectures. They go around the world and they um, do a lot of research on Ashkenazi cuisine to bring it back, to make it cool again. So we have once a month social programs for our Holocaust survivors. And I thought, why don't we switch this up a little bit? Food is amazing for everybody. Everybody loves food. Everybody bonds around food and especially our clients love it so much. So Jeffrey's coming to do a presentation and a lecture on some gefilte fish and some pickling and we'll see what else.
3: Amazing. Make them eat gefilte fish as if these people haven't <laughs> suffered enough. <laughs> um, <laughs>
2: no, their gefilte fish is so good. Gef- I have I to say, Jeffy's gefilte to, fish is like the over. best thing in the yeah.
3: world. Um, what do people listening right now, What what ought they to do?
1: Yeah. So we have a few things because we uh, figured this question was coming and we'd love to get the help from uh, unorthodox listeners. So first is to think about your networks. Think about your friends, parents and grandparents who might have had an experience that could qualify them as a Holocaust survivor. Again, it's not just individuals who are in concentration camps who can qualify. So think about your network. Make sure that people know that there's an organization like Self Help out there. And again, we're serving New York City and Nassau County. Um, And give us a call. Also, we've been doing a lot of advertising in local papers and online and on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And Desiree has one of our Jewish Week ads. But all of this is also on social media. So you can retweet us. We're at Self Help NY. On Facebook, we're Self Help Community Services. Share those posts. On Instagram, we're also Self Help Community Services.
4: What's your website?
1: Our website is uh, selfhelp.net. And, and I assume people
4: can give money at that website. Yes, yes. they too. can also
1: give money. <laughs> um, on every single page, there's a donate button. So we planned that well. Um, but the posts are all out there. They're on our website as well, but share that. Um, and, you know, our we also have speaking of donations, but other, you know, volunteer leadership opportunities for people who are connected to the Holocaust to get involved. So a lot of our board is actually made up of children of survivors. And then we have a NextGen, which is a young board that's made up of a lot of grandchildren of survivors, not exclusively because those entities also represent the diversity of our clients. But if, you know, honoring that promise and that legacy is something that speaks to you, we'd love to have more members joining that. So you can, you know, reach out to us again via social media or on our website. Or you can
2: call us at 212-971-7795. If you know a survivor, you're not sure if someone's a survivor, you are a survivor, call us. We'll figure it out together. We're here to listen and help. Desiree and Sandy, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah,
4: thank you. That was Sandy Myers and Desiree Nazarian of the organization Self Help. You can find out more about the work they do at selfhelp.net. And we're really grateful that they joined us for this special mini episode of Unorthodox. We'll be back Monday with This week's live show recorded at the JCC Manhattan.
0: Broadway comes to the 14th Street Y on Tuesday, May 21st. Hey, J. Crew! it is time for some pod biz. Tonight, May 16th, I will be moderating a Zoom conversation with Rabbi Sharon Brous and Shai Held about each of their new books. That's at 6 p.m. Eastern and the final event in my Unpacking the Book series with the Jewish Book Council and the Jewish Museum. This one's on Zoom, so no matter where you are, I hope you can make it. And tonight is actually a doubleheader for me. If you're in the New York area, I'll be at the Marlene Meyerson in JCC Manhattan at 7.30 tonight in conversation with Israeli rapper and singer Jimbo J. He'll be performing and there will be delicious Israeli food from Chef Mushka, who made the famous harosets at our Passover pop-up. You can find links to register for both of those events at tabletmag.com slash unorthodox live.